Well, welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. We have a very special episode coming up today. This is a fantastic interview with new Flansburg coach and former Gayo Gay coach Nikolai Krikow, who agreed to have a chat about coming into a new team and being in the Bundesliga. So really excited to have Nikolai on the podcast and we will get into that interview very soon. But before then, uh, this is Alex Kulesh and I've got Chris O'Reilly with me. How are you doing, Chris? I'm really good, Alex, and, and very wise to be bigging up the interview before uh, people have heard it uh, at the beginning of the show. But I do agree with you. We've just had it. And one of my favorite interviews we've done in a long time. Nikolai, great guy. Yeah, we'll crack into that shortly. Uh, I'm doing well. And uh, you really feel like the the season is just around the corner. I mean, as we're recording this and as we just spoke to Nikolai, 10 days until the Bundesliga begins, nine days until I have my first commentary gig of the season, the Pixum Super Cup between the German League winners and Cup winners. And uh, yeah, all the preseason handball is flowing. Nice. And I think there are some questions about what what's the deal with handball uh, or HBL TV this season? Is it is everything going to be the same as last season, the subscription service? It's going to be better. Uh, I've just been told, given some insight, and uh, anyone who's a subscriber to our Patreon and has access to our Discord would have already seen this. Uh, so another... Another reason to join the Patreon. Uh, we'll tell you a few more before we go into the interview. But yeah, HBL TV uh, will continue. And uh, we'll also include the second Bundesliga, which I think is a particularly wise move for the US fans because about half of the US national team play in the second Bundesliga. So John Ryan and uh, JD or all of our friends over in the US uh, will have a chance to see their national team heroes week in, week out. And so, yeah, I think they're going to try and do a few more games as well with commentary. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of it again. Yeah, handball's coming back. It's it's nice. And uh, it feels like it's been gone for a while, but at the same time, it's right back on her doorstep. So uh, we'll have a lot of content your way. So uh, we've just been planning our... Uh, kind of pre-season preview episodes so for everyone who has joined us and stuck around during the summer we really appreciate it and if you're interested to hear a lot more then it's patreon.com forward slash handball hour uh you can join us for as little as one dollar a month to get all the the great content your way and what is that content chris you say um i'll give you a layout <laughs> i will give you a layout um we've got Coming your way, Bundesliga preview. So the first part of this is really this conversation with Nikolai Krikow. We'll have a full breakdown of each team um, going into the season. There's so much excitement around the Bundesliga again this year. It's really tight at the top, really tight in the middle, and it's going to be a good one. So we'll have a, a great preview episode going through each team. We'll also review all of the transfers 
on both the men's side and the women's side uh, before the season, as well as basically Champions League previews starting very, very soon. So on top of that, you'll also get the weekly Morning Club podcast, uh, which comes out roughly from Tuesday to Thursday every week. And we get to touch on some uh, interesting topics in that if you haven't signed up for our Patreon. So all of that is coming your way pretty much over the next three weeks. That's four, at least four episodes and at least four morning clubs coming your way, all for the price of $1 or $3. And if you really like us, $6 or $9. You could even give us 100 You can give us as much as you like. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot on the way. And uh, it's exciting to be to, to have stuff to talk about as well, because we did in the morning club uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were on the verge of despair, I would say. We were pretty close to having nothing to talk about, uh, but we managed to crank out 15 minutes, which is the, the beauty of that morning club. And uh, our fans on Patreon did uh, appreciate as well the fact that we managed to talk about something for 15 minutes uh, in the depths of summer. Plenty more to talk about right now. But before we go into our interview with Nikolai Krakow, a little bit of info on him because he's been in our handball lives uh, more and more over the last few years with the the rejuvenation of Gheorghe and also then breaking into the upper echelons of European handball, reaching the quarterfinals of the Champions League last season. And we've known them as a, a great a talent factory over the years as well. Nikolai has been, uh, was with the club for six years before leaving uh, this summer for Flensburg. Still uh, an incredibly young coach as well, just 36 years of age. He was a player until he had to retire at a, a young age after a few uh, underage national team appearances for Denmark. Uh, he was a playmaker at the time, which I think shows as well in his uh, style of coaching, but became a coach at a very young age and has, has risen to the top uh, at a very young age as well. And uh, someone that Alex has had his eye on uh, to speak to for a while. And uh, yeah, it's just really nice to to chat to him here as he embarks on a, a brand new stage of his career. Hi, Nikolai. How are you? I'm good. And you ready for a new season? Yes, yeah, really excited. Uh, it's summer seemed really short. I don't know. It feels like we haven't even had a holiday, and then already back in. Uh, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, but you know, when so many things happen around the clubs, then it seems like it's just a pretty heavy off season. So um. that's true. Shall we dive in then? Lots to talk about. And uh, Nikolai, I mean, you've only just arrived at Flensburg, it seems, but uh, you already had a preseason game against your old club a few days ago in, in Denmark. How was it, or how strange was it to be back there and coaching the away team? Yeah, it was strange. We actually already played played them twice, uh, Wednesday in Gyugi and Friday in Flensburg. So um, so that was, uh, that was, that was a fun matchup planned by myself uh, as a God, as a Gyugi coach. So, <laughs> so it was fun to meet the old guys, uh, but uh, yeah. Not quite the test performance that we hoped, but uh, but overall we uh, we yeah we learned a bit from those matches, so everything's fine. So did you did you plan that those games before you left as a coach or afterwards? Was it part of the deal? Uh, no, that was uh, 
planned before together with Lars and Mike actually, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and suddenly it ended being on the other other side of the court. But uh, yeah, that's brilliant. But maybe we can uh, talk a little bit about your time with it with Geoge uh, to start off this chat. Uh, so you had a really amazing success with the club um, over a period of five years, kind of culminating with two Danish title leagues wins in a row. Maybe can you t- tell us about your journey from arriving as a young coach to to the team, to building it into the champion team it was? Yeah, yeah. I I think I came uh, at the right time uh, to to be a part of uh, of that trip uh, together with Gyogi. Um Gyogi has of course built it, uh, tried to build uh, their way back uh, from the bankruptcy in in two thousand and ten, um, and two years before I came, they they got a they had a good season with a bronze medal, um, but but overall, um, yeah. They are, they were in the fee I would say peloton uh, around first six or eight teams, um, but uh, yeah. But through the years, uh, the cr- the club really uh, really improved uh, everywhere uh, around it. Uh, better economy um, and 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 in the end, I think we hit a a few years where uh, where everything was uh, was uh, timed right. Um, mean that we. Uh, Got some extraordinary talents, uh, and and we also find our way, found our way to train, integrate them uh, in the right timing, uh, and uh, yeah, and we got it to fit together with uh, with uh, our return uh, from uh, from Morten Olsen and and Sagerisen. and that um, that mix with Gisel Pütlig and so on, uh, together with Morten and Sagi, uh, was. Uh, was the last thing that uh, KOG were missing to uh, to end up having those championships. So uh, it has been a fun journey, and uh, I really appreciate uh, the years I, I had in KOG. And it, it seems like your appointment with Flensburg kind of came, uh, maybe not caught people by surprise because your name was was thrown out there almost immediately. But um, because of how things were going with KOG, and is it true that in your your contract there was a clause that uh, would allow you to go to to Flensburg for the the right uh, bid, so to speak, because I saw that on some Danish media at the time. Yeah, uh, clearly I extended a few times with GOG um, and and we always, in the last two contracts I made with GOG, uh, we always made sure that that if, because they also wanted me to go further, if I if I got the chance uh, and therefore in in the last two contracts I had, uh, I had options to um, of course, for the right salary uh, to yeah to go to uh, to Flensburg. So um, so from that point of view, it was an easy easy transfer. Um, of course, the timing uh, from a GOG standpoint wasn't perfect, uh, but uh, from from my point of view, I think um, yeah I think it ended up pretty perfect uh, because now I I got the chance to do what. Uh, Coaches not normally to uh, end up with a good situation instead of ending up being fired. So, <laughs> so yeah. Overall, I I really hope that the um, that the timing was good and and also maybe someday when I when I should go uh, back to Denmark, then uh, then Gary would be my obvious first choice. Uh, was it was a Flensburg in particular then in the con- in the clause? Or like a bigger club, so to speak. Yeah, no, we didn't mention was a specific, but uh, all the way through, we we got a how do you say it uh, eye to eye deal uh, um, where 
where Flensborg was uh, was a main priority, uh, and we also made the deal that that if I should extend with GG, then we uh, then we extend because we not want they don't want me to go to uh, yeah not to disrespect them, but you know middle clubs in in Germany. Um, if I should go, it should be yeah uh, top clubs in Europe, uh, and uh, and of course we um, yeah. We looked at each other and say, okay, Flensborg is a top club in in Europe, and therefore it makes perfect per, per, perfect sense for me to, yeah, to uh, to uh, to hit when uh, when the possibility was there. Yeah, and and it seems to me that there's been a a big kind of combination of uh, Geoge and Flensburg, or at least a a partnership that has built. Is that something that has just happened organically, or was it kind of put together in in, in a planned way? Uh, definitely not a planned way. Um, you know that w- that uh, that went many years back, starting from uh, Monsen, uh, Sven, Egert, and so on. Uh, and from there, uh, there were a little break because of the bankruptcy. Uh, but uh, it made perfect sense when uh, when Flensborg has a Scandinavian profile uh, in their recruiting. Uh, then of course they have a good uh, eye on. Um, on the big uh, talent development uh, system in in Scandinavia, maybe in the world, and um, and therefore it's obvious that the players uh, from GOG uh, is attractive from uh, uh, for clubs like Flensborg, and uh, and of course Flensborg is is attractive for players because it uh, has uh, many Scandinavian values. Uh, it also uh, is a top club and uh, still uh, with uh, with good connection to. Uh, to Denmark, so uh, overall, it's uh, it's quite obvious why Flensborg and Gugge has uh, has uh, uh, on the way uh, quite big history for transfers uh, between each other. And I guess nice that uh, you're coming into the team now that is is on the buying side of those transfers because Gugge have been, let's say, a selling club in that regard, developing all of these these talents. Um, I know also, I mean, you can see it this summer and with Gugge that. It's kind of going in the other way as well, and you were trying to regenerate the squad uh, for to keep things going. But uh, over at Flensburg now, what are your kind of first impressions of the the club and the the differences between life in Denmark and at Flensburg? Yeah, my first impression is that uh, that is just bigger. You know, everything is bigger. Um, the the level of uh, employees uh, in Flensburg is, of course, way bigger than in Gugge. Um, uh, but when everything comes to what it's all about, uh, and that's handball, then the differences uh, are not that big. Uh, of course, language is a big factor for me. Uh, but uh, but overall, when when we are at the, at the field, uh, then everything is quite much the same. Uh, of course, the... The level of uh, each player uh, is uh, uh, is maybe a little higher, uh, but uh, but Kyogi has also raised to being a a, a very uh, a, a very good club uh, on on the players' level. So so overall, the the biggest difference would uh, would of course be that the size of the club uh, is obvious. Also, of course, the the number of um, activities we have uh, with medias and so on uh, are a little bigger. Uh, but the biggest difference uh, will, of course, come when, when the league starts. Uh, and, and of course, we can already feel that that from now on, uh, we have 10 days until 
it's uh, really starting against Hamburg, uh, and uh, and if I were still in GOG, we maybe have eleven months until it really starts. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and 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 by that I don't I, I not mean that you know the, um, the the structure in Denmark doesn't work. I, I just mean that uh, yeah, if you are a top club in Denmark, then you have a second chance. If you don't perform well in the league, uh, then you have the playoffs, uh, and uh, yeah, and the league. Uh, uh, can be uh, can be away from your hand if you're not there in the first month in the German league. So that uh, not pressure, but that um, you know, um, different way of having a preseason uh, is obvious uh, a, a big difference. Mm. And the squad you've come into um, is really one of the most impressive squads in the Bundesliga, probably in world handball at the moment, especially that backcourt line of uh, Putlik. Gottfriedson and Smiths is just really exciting. But how do you, you know, how do you go into a situation like this where you have such a large squad, exciting players? How do you think about it tactically uh, to set it up in the right way? Yeah, that's a huge huge question. Uh, First of all, um, we are very happy with our squad. We are not so many people. We are 15 guys on the contract uh, and... um, and that means that we have to to also be quite smart in our uh, integration of the young players. Um, but overall, uh, it's obvious that uh, when we look uh, at a squad where Simon Pudlik, Kasmitz, uh, Jim, but also Lasse, uh, Lasse Müller, Mensa and Taitru, uh, all of them uh, are very good when things are going uh, fast. Uh, and therefore, of course, we... We would uh, we will try to uh, to create as much speed speed as possible in the games. Um, uh, but the heavy part is that uh, even though it's an amazing uh, squad, then everyone is in this team uh, in Ventspil has a new teammate beside uh, besides you, uh, both end of the floor. That means when you play uh, in the middle, you have Simon on your left side, you have Kai on your in, on your right side. That's new for everyone. When you are Simon, you have Kai uh, for at right, Emil Jakobsen at left. And in defense, you know, Blagosensek is also new. Lucas Jansen is also new. So, so we have so many new relations uh, uh, we uh, we need to uh, adapt to very quick. We have ten days more, and we really need those ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but of course, I I try to uh, to look at every uh, every player's quality uh, and uh, and try to adapt a playing system where every everybody uh, fits as good as possible and especially of course the key players must fit fit uh, as good as possible um, because we uh, yeah we need to play to our strength and uh, and from that point of view it have been an important job for me to look at what have Flensport done right before uh, with the play, with the way in place uh, what have uh, succeeded for Simon and Giri and also in the national team what works out great for Kai in Magdeburg and also for Hol- uh, in Holland and and in Ulsterbro, uh, yeah, and uh, and that's the way it is all around uh, all around the floor. Yeah, and and you mentioned Yim there, and I think Yim is quite a special player, not only talent wise, but his the way he conducts himself on the court. And you know, we we even saw with Sweden where he's almost assistant coach. Um, going into a team with a player like that. Uh, how do you kind of build that relationship and how do you see it going forward? Yeah, you know, uh, it's just all about how do you make the best performance of every player. 
Uh, and of course, it's clearly for everyone that if you uh, want the best performance from from him, then he should have a, a big responsibility for what is happening. Uh, that doesn't mean that he uh, make all the decisions. He makes some decisions. If I feel that he is the right man to take decisions, uh, the same way as Mensa maybe are taking decisions uh, on other parts uh, of the team. Um, but uh, but it will be stupid of me not to bring him close into the decision making, especially in offense. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, and actually, it, in many ways, it's actually quite much the same process uh, like I had with Morten Olsen and Giri. When we have these um, handball brains, let's call them that, and also uh, leader types, then it will be stupid of me not to bring their qualities into uh, in, into the decisioning uh, part of uh, of our squad. Uh, but the other way around, Yim has also been a lot of injured uh, the last uh, in the last period, and um, and and I also think that he needs new impulses. He also needs new energy, and that's uh, of course also my job to bring. Uh, new uh, new thoughts, new inspiration uh, for uh, for you. And you, you mentioned that the uh, with him being injured, you know the the way the Bundesliga is set up, like it, you're going heavy in in ten days with Hamburg, Magdeburg, Kiel in the opening three games, which is one hell of a welcome. But in, <laughs> uh, maybe you're not even thinking too far <laughs> beyond uh, Hamburg. We tried to say we can only cross the bridge uh, ahead of us. We can't cross the bridge, uh, bridge number three or four. Yeah. But like in in that and, and thinking about the whole year to come in comparison to, to life in the, the Danish league, um, you know, Flensburg have also been hit with a lot of injuries over the, the last few years. Um how different is the concept of of load management and thinking about training with this club? Is that something you've had to dive into a little bit differently? Uh, yes and no, um, because uh, in Gugi we also the last two years played Champions League and uh, and also have national team players uh, who are playing to the end in every tournament, and that means that the number of games uh, in in the best Danish clubs uh, compared to uh, to a European league season with Flensborg. It's not that different. Uh, of course, the travel part is uh, is different, and uh, and therefore uh, we need to be smart. As I said before, we are only 15 players, and um, and every one of us knows that when we get into the season with two uh, games a week, uh, then there are not a lot of trainings, you know. Uh, and therefore, uh, we uh, we need to train smart when we are training. And the most important thing that I want to bring into this club is, you know, co- just common sense. We we not lead by principle. We not train by principle because we have to, uh, or maybe because we lose yesterday. We uh, we try to do it uh, in uh, with common sense overall uh, as a as a leading point from our leadership, um, and that means that uh, when we look into a season with the thirty four matches uh, in the Bundesliga and and a maximum of uh, of sixteen matches in in Euroleague. Then, uh, then we uh, we need to rotate a little more than uh, Flensborg have done uh, the last years. I, I actually think that uh, that both Mark and Mike uh, uh, wanted to rotate more the last years, but because of injuries, uh, then it was hard to rotate. And I also know that when uh, it is a direct tournament and one without playoff system, then it is harder to rotate. If you don't have, you know, hundred percent trust uh, on on your bench, um, and therefore, um, 
I want to uh, I want to be quite clear that some matches will be played with few players, but some matches will also be played with many players, and that's not only because of the opponent. That's not only because trust uh, or not trust. Uh, it's uh, it's also because of how we look and into the situation right now this week. How does the situation look like in the specific game? The, do we have the the feeling that it would be right to rotate a lot to be ready in the last part of the game? Then we will rotate a lot if we think that it would be the right way to play with o- play with only eight players in that specific match. We will play by eight players, uh, and that will be our leading uh, structure the whole year. Uh, but of course, I'm also humble that that I haven't tried it before, uh, so I also have to learn quick uh, how uh, how these guys are reacting on the heavy load uh, from the traveling and so on. And you you mentioned there, again, in previous seasons where Flansburg have had injuries, and I, I've kind of always wondered this, because there's been games where they, they literally had 11 players in the squad um, and, you know, would play with eight. Um, is this... Kind of, this is different to Gay Gay, where there's a big talent pipeline, and if there is players missing, there's someone available, maybe at not the same level. You go find a, a good 15 year old somewhere, a good 15 year old <laughs> that's gonna gonna be the best player in the world in in 18 months. But um, is that something that's just not there for Flensburg? That kind of second, you know, they do have a second team, I know, but um, how do you kind of is that something that's not there and do you want to build that up a little bit? Yeah, it's not there yet. Uh, and, you know, uh, if we should compare just a little, then uh, in Gyogi, it's uh, it's very easy to bring those young guys into training every week. And so when uh, Jelde Løkke or Simon Kvitlik or Mathias Gisel will be brought into the first team for the first time, they may be trained with Gyogi for two or three years uh, in front of that. That's not an option in in Flensburg. Uh, the level difference is just right now too big. Uh, we have a few players uh, who we are trying to uh, to integrate slowly into our team, but uh, but overall the um, uh, the the differences on level is right now too big. That's so. That's uh, also because Flensburg is a bigger size than Gyogi, of course, uh, but it's also because that uh, Oa has you know, maybe uh, 30 years history for bringing young talents into TV. And that's a that's a whole different structure. But we actually will try to improve um, uh, our academy situation. Uh, Lubo uh, also have a, a very important uh, task in his uh, assignment, uh, try to inspire and, uh, and also uh, bring new ideas into the academy. Uh, so first of all, there are many good peoples. Uh, I have already met most of them. Uh, there are many good people and good trainers now in the academy, and that's a very good start. Uh, and when we have good trainers, then uh, the next part is to be better at recruiting. And when uh, when things are going better with recruiting and coaching profiles, then uh, then in the end, Flensburg would also be uh, able to bring better talents uh, from academy into our first team than we are now. Uh, but for in the moment. Uh, it's uh, it's not totally ready to uh, to just have an uh, you know a, a big pipeline. There is a small pipeline, and we will try to uh, to integrate a few players, but not uh, the big pipeline as in uh, Berlin, Rheinecker, or uh, or Gilby. This is your first Bundesliga season, uh, coaching the team, and I know it's, last season was perhaps one of the the most exciting and open title races in a in a long time, which. 
Flensburg was a part of it for a while. Uh, have you had a chance to to think about the other other contenders so far, and uh, and if so, what is uh, standing out to you team wise and and exciting players that are on your mind? Yeah, I really think. Of course, I've used my summer to to try to learn everything about the Bundesliga. Uh, of course, had a big knowledge of of the top clubs, but uh, but I really tried to improve my knowledge from the from the middle and down. Um, uh, but according to the to the fight for the title, I really think that uh, the top five um, is uh, is the favorite still for top five. I think that Aneka. If they will have uh, Jaganets back, uh, they have a great chance to improve even more. Spade is developing good. Um, and so they have a, a, a great roster. Um, now it's Kiesel's year number two, and that means that he will be even better. Uh, so Berlin also have a great chance. They, of course, are a little low on right-handed backcourt players now, uh, but uh, maybe they will find one more or two more, and then they will also be in, in the race. Uh, and then everybody says that uh, Kiel without Sargosen and uh, and Landin um, is too big of a problem. But you know the thing with Kiel is, uh, even though I'm a coach for Flensborg now, Kiel is just always there. You know, uh, so they are stable and they have a a, a, a big roster uh, with uh, with lots of quality still. So they will also for sure be in the title race. Uh, and of course, I look at Magdeburg as the biggest favorites. Um, uh, I ho- hopefully, we will also be in that uh, group. But um, but Magdeburg really looks strong. Uh, I know they have injuries on Gisli, but the signings of of Kla and um, and uh, Janus uh, will uh, will help with that. Uh, and if Omar and Lagergren comes back, uh, then uh, then I really see uh, Magdeburg as, uh, as as the biggest favorites. And um, and of course. Uh, Southrop with the with the key role he has. Uh, if he joins Magdeburg for a whole season, then um, yeah, then they have a good chance to go far in in every tournament. And there thereafter, I really think that now I used much time looking at Leipzig, Hannover, and Melsung uh, the last weeks, and I really really think that those three teams have a good chance to um, to be uh, not just outsiders but dangerous outsiders for top four or five. Uh, Hamburg, Hamburg also, uh, but especially Leipzig and um, and Hanover uh, look uh, looks great at the moment. I think. Yeah, Leipzig seem, seem to be making a bit of a uh, few waves. Yeah, yeah, we look into a season where everything will go tight uh, one more time. I think. Maybe just, I'll, I'll bring it back a little bit. Uh, you mentioned you're going for a, a fast style uh, of play, uh, similar to what you had in Gay Gay, but. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of that style. I was always a big fan of Gay Gay, but it has received some criticism from kind of the wider handball community, kind of stating that you know is this even handball anymore? Um, ah, is stop the, it! What? <laughs> well, I I, I I don't agree they're with that. Too, they're I, too I, fast. <laughs> I, I I don't agree with that for, for sure. But I, I'm sure some of our listeners might 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 be thinking of that statement. What what would you say to that? I um to that kind of statement. It's just religion. Uh, and, 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 I, and I really also appreciate the 2020 game uh, when things are six against six and uh, and heavy heavy defense and uh, big physical uh, improvement by the team. I also like that, you know, uh, I'm just not the good coach at that part. So, of course, uh, my <laughs> teams should play, should play the way that I think I can bring the best uh, level into the team, uh, and of course, 
you have to look at every team and say, okay, which players do we have? It's obvious that Magdeburg should play fast. It's obvious that Flensburg should play fast. Berlin, Reinecke also. And it's also obvious that, that Kiel is very good at playing yes, in the second phase because they have heavy shooters from distance in that phase uh, and so on. So um, I think that uh, it has been an important rule uh, with that um, fast middle uh, because seven against six is also there. So if uh, if we don't have the fast middle situation and we still have seven against six, then we are uh, yeah in risk of having a just even slower play, and that would be uh, quite boring from my point of view. So overall, uh, I think we uh, we need we need every styles in a handball. Uh, that's uh, that fast style is uh, it is the style I like at the moment, and also the style I uh, I have players uh, fits best at. But uh, but the other way around, I still feel that uh, that kills uh, with their strategic uh, way of, of playing uh, and and so on uh, is also important for him. And then maybe a last question, and this is a, a big tactical or technical skill that um, your team has in Denmark. Um, will you be bringing over the Geoge five step to <laughs> Germany? <laughs> <laughs> now you really, now you really hit a, a place where I say, okay, now now you need to stop me because <laughs> actually it is in Iceland all this stuff. You know, Isli is taking five six, Felix Klar, Sweden are taking five six steps, Gisela are taking five six steps, Simon maybe three or four five, <laughs> um, but you know it is a big problem. In, in handball right now, uh, but you know it's not only Gyogi, uh, it's also Iceland, it's Sweden, it's all the one against one players, and we need to find out in uh, in rural handball right now what will be the best for our sport. Uh, and from my point of view, we like too much that players like Gisel, uh, Gisli, uh, Omar, and so on have a chance in handball, and not only Momi Sorry, Momia. But uh, no, not only Mumeli types have a chance, and therefore I think it's time for saying, okay, we uh, we need to allow step number four. But from that point, we really also have to stop it, you know. So uh, so three is unrealistic for players like Kisel, Kisli, Klar, Simon, and so on. If we should play like we do now, and I really think that it is entertaining. Uh, but if we change the rule to four, and that's my opinion. Then we also need to have a new start for the referees to say, okay, that's that is four, and not five or six. Uh, and I know it's difficult, but we need a new start with the steps rule, and then, and we definitely will see that the, that my teams will try to use every everything they can to win, even though it uh, takes seven if uh, if the referee are not judging us. <laughs> I can't I can't wait to see Kai Smiths with five steps now. This is going to be a, a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> Kai just have to shoot. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I'm glad you're telling him. Someone has to tell him to uh, shoot. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we, we've taken so much of your time, and it's been a, an absolute pleasure, Nikolai. It's uh, really, really nice to hear hear your thoughts here before the start of the season. Uh, just a quick one uh, on the language, because you mentioned it before. Is it going to be Danish in the timeout? <laughs> it's obvious because we only have Gola and uh, and uh, Blagosensik and Buitz, uh, which not yeah. uh, speaks Danish, but uh, but of course we are a German club and um, and we uh, and we will speak German uh, as much as possible, and we have a, 
a goal for the team that uh, when we hit Christmas, we are a hundred percent German team, um, and uh, and therefore this podcast was very difficult for me in English because uh, on daily basis I really am bad mixing up German English things. <laughs> uh, your your English is fantastic, Nikolai. And and we want to uh, we want to hear uh, Jim Gottfriedson's English at some point. So uh, don't be don't be afraid to let him do that in the time. Uh, he's not good at English, but he's definitely very good at German, and that's good yeah. good help for me. Uh, but uh, no, Flensburg is a German club, and we will of course uh, reach for for a full German team. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, also, with just uh, a few days until the season starts, really excited to to see how it uh, how it goes, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. You're always welcome. Thank you to Nikolai. Fantastic interview, as Alex promised, and it was delivered. Really uh, fun insight into uh, how things are uh, at Flensburg with this basically a new era for them, uh, matching the excitement I think we have for this squad, uh, and also a few home truths as well delivered, which is really nice. Forceps, the future of handball. You, you heard it here first. Let's uh, let's see where, where that goes. In all the discussion about new rules in this sport, that is one thing that really people have kind of, it's almost like a sacred cow. It's like, oh no, no, no. We can talk about shot clocks. We can talk about 14 referees. We can talk about this and that, but don't touch our steps. But actually, as soon as he said it, it made a lot of sense. It does, but I, I find it's, it, it's one of those basic principles of handball. Um, it's one of those things that you learn straight away uh, as a child. And for most people, actually, you know, we, we've played with beginners a, a lot playing in Ireland and other countries. That's one of the th- first things that they they find difficult to grasp the, the steps. But it's so ingrained in handball players, coaches worldwide, that even though some players have been able to develop this kind of additional technique to give them an extra advantage, it, I feel like it would be so unnatural for the majority of handball players in the world for for a long while. You know, it, it really comes down to pure technique as opposed to um, specific, you know, rules of the game, like the, the middle um, kind of running start that, that we have now. It's an interesting point of view, uh, absolutely. Uh, I'd, again, I've never heard that uh, discussed at any level, but if the, you know, it has to go one way or the other for, from my perspective, either has to be kind of completely clamped down or um, reviewed. And that that's not not up to me to make that decision. And uh, But it's, it, it is a, an interesting view on things and especially the the ability uh, or, or give, granting the ability of the smaller players, the faster players, some advantage, yeah, is an interesting way of looking at it. What do you think about what he was saying about the team? Common sense approach to, to dealing with the squad as well sounds very refreshing, um, but also uh, very honest about you know, the fact that this is going to be a new experience for him as well and that he's got a lot to learn. Uh, the way he spoke about the the other clubs, he's clearly done his homework. You get the feeling that he is very open to how things, like, or to, to what experiences he's going to have and how things might have to change as the season goes on, uh, which feels like a very healthy way to approach a job like this. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of pressure. 
but I, I think him coming in at this stage and this slight rejuvenation of Flensburg as a club that seems to have happened. He, he also mentioned Livier Verandias coming in. There is almost a bit of a restart happening here and a long-term plan as opposed to what we were kind of discussing last season and a lot of the kind of people in handball were like, oh, this is just Flensburg being trigger happy. This is a, a crazy decision to fire a coach in the middle of the season. You know, all, all of these kind of knee-jerk emotions that came in when that decision happened versus speaking to Nikolai now and seeing what Flensburg have done around uh, the whole club, you can see that it's a it's a long-term vision. It's not just a stopgap. And I think that allows um, Flensburg as a club a bit of leeway. How long that leeway goes, of course, is, uh, you know, it's always hard to predict uh, at a high-pressure environment and a high-pressure season like the Bundesliga. But with the squad they have, with a very accomplished coach, I think all the ingredients are there for a a really exciting team. What excites you most about it? I'm excited to see them playing full fast pace. I, I when when you said that that's the approach you're going for, that's uh that's what I'm excited to see at a kind of at a next level. There there is always a ceiling with Gay and that approach uh, in terms of the personnel they have and the turnover they have. But um interesting to see really a top level team take it to 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 the maximum level. Uh, um, you know, of course it's not the first time Barcelona have been doing it for years, but it, it's it's different. Um, and I'm excited to see how that works in the Bundesliga as well as the Champions League. Um, I actually think that they might have a better chance in the Champions League with this type of approach because we've seen that um, be quite successful um, in the Champions League over the last couple of seasons, that really fast style of play. So, you know, Something's telling me that that we're we're gonna see Fansburg in the in the final four this season. Well, that uh, would be impossible, saying as they didn't qualify for the Champions League. God, European League, they're gonna win it. Oh, <laughs> I was just gonna. I was. Uh, I thought you're making a good point there, because, but they have to qualify for the Champions League first, which uh, is step number one. God, I, I, I got carried then, away. Got carried away. You there. got very. Talking about 2025 already. 20, that's it. 2025 uh, <laughs> Flansburg Champions League champions. Put it down now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the European um, League is... But actually, kind of continuing with that, so we, we don't have to cut that out of the episode. Um, <laughs> but I think the European League gives a bit of leeway for um, Flensburg this season. That it's not... That they can focus on the on the Bundesliga a little bit more because it gives a little bit more leeway yeah. with the um, the level of games that they'll face in the European League, um, which of course will ramp up and will become more and more intense, but at least it gives a slightly easier start in that rotation, in that focus uh, for Flensburg to actually target um, Bundesliga position to then win the Champions League in 2025. I'm just uh, thinking about here when talking about the speed of the team and you know uh, thinking about that that let's say the first trio of players in the backcourt uh, with Pitlick, Gottfriedsen and Kai Smith all three players who are well capable of just 
you know, scoring or shooting on site, you know, basically once they get into position and the first time they get the ball. And how when uh, Slovenia, the last uh, major championship, when they played uh, in a man-up situation, just leaving Blaž Blagotinček back in the fence, maybe they'll just do that all the time. And just like, or in counterattacks, Blaz just stands there as like, you don't need me, lads, just go. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll be struggling to keep up going back and forth. But you have to say, um, kind of looking personnel-wise, we talked a lot about the backcourt, but the line player position is probably the best uh, combination of line players that we, we see across any clubs in Europe. Uh, with Johannes Gala, um, Blagotinček and Lucas Jurensen. So essentially they have Gala, who is an offensive juggernaut, or just a real superstar, good defender as well, for sure. Uh, Blagotinček, who's an incredible defender and a good attacker. And then Lucas Jurensen, who is an incredible transition line player uh, and kind of equally good um, in attack and defence. Of course, he's still young and will have to adjust to uh, the Bundesliga and all of those steps. But the the combination and the profiles there, while it seems like having these three top line players is a bit much, um, I think it really works and gives them this really strong core. Yeah, I'm really excited about the, the three of them. I think that, uh, as you said, they all offer something a little bit different and you, you can imagine all three of them you know, fitting in together as well. Like the, uh, let's say in a rotation of, of two at a time playing in defense and one going up into attack, uh, they can all do a job there. And uh, Blagotinček in particular has had a chance to settle into Bundesliga life last year with Guppingen. So uh, I think he, he won't have any bother just uh, throwing himself straight in there. And all around, yeah. I mean, also on the, the wings there, uh, I think is quite a, Oh, two exciting pairs. Both uh, wings, you've got a Norwegian and a Dane in there. I'd say the, the Danes as the first choice guys, the Norwegians as the second choice. Um, an added bonus is that the, the new right wing in for uh, from Norway, he joined from Bjerringbro, Axel Horgan. Uh, by the way, we should see what his Irish passport credentials are uh, with a name like Horgan. He's got a partner called Henny Reista, who, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. his partner is Henny Reista. Yeah, I mean, there's some, I mean, if you need any more inspiration, you know, if if Jim Gottfriedson, as Nikolai's saying, Jim Gottfriedson, he could do with a few new impulses, some new ideas, maybe Axel can uh, invite Henny to come in uh, for a couple of training show sessions how and have done. a chat. Show him how it's done, yeah. Yeah, re- really exciting squad. They're does seem to be, for me personally at least, um, a real excitement about Flensburg that may have been a little bit dulled over the last few seasons. A big part of that being the um, the injuries and the kind of turnaround the squad that, that has happened with Flensburg for kind of three years running. This time around, there's there's just excitement. Uh, really exciting times for, for Flensburg. And, um, well, we're just, I think, really pumped to see what Nikolai and and this team can do. Uh, a squad full of really uh, interesting and likable players as well, which, uh, you know, we just hope that they are able to hit the ground running with that 
really tough start to the Bundesliga. We'll go into more detail on that early run and uh, all the other contenders for the Bundesliga. At the beginning of this podcast, Alex uh, promised that we'd speak about every single team. Well, that's what we're going to have to do. Um, we might it might be you know fifty minutes on on the hilarity of Melsungen, and then uh, you know one minute on the rest of the teams. Who knows how these things go? But uh, that'll be coming up soon, as well as the uh, the transfers podcasts as well, which are always fun to talk about. Uh, but until then, everyone, thank you for listening. Make sure to jump onto Patreon uh, to get the full extent of the fun in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>